this is what I want uh, this is what I want to share with you. I really believe God has a new thing for us. I believe it's time to stop moping around and just get going for God. It's it's time to quit making excuses. It's time to stop depending on other things to happen. It's time to just put your faith and confidence in Him and watch what God can do. God has a horn full of oil ready to pour out of your head. And that oil is going to bring you out of your wilderness. It's going to get you off the back 40, whether that's your health, whether that's your finances, whether that's your marriage, whether that's your workplace, whether that's your mental health, whatever it might be, I believe God is trying to get you off the back 40. I believe he wants to send someone to anoint you and break you out of where you've been. I've got a word for you. No one else has seen or noticed you, but God has spotted you. Three people clapped. Oh, my God. Hallelujah. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's time for promotion. You've been spotted by God. David was the eighth son, but God realized. God knew. Maybe he didn't know, but God knew that David had a future. Number eight, the eighth son is the number of new beginnings. And 2018 is your breakout year. Let's look at the story from 1 Samuel chapter 16. And it said, God addressed, and this is from the message. Uh, The message is especially good when you're wanting to tell a story. So God addressed Samuel. So how long are you going to mope over Saul? Saul was the king that everybody wanted. Saul was the, Saul was, uh, uh, he was head and shoulders above everybody else. He was the good-looking guy. God help us when we start following people because of their looks. I mean, you do have a good-looking pastor, but besides that, oh, you're going to fight me on that. Okay, okay, okay. I'm willing to go there. Let's stop moping. Let's stop complaining. Amen. Because what we wanted isn't working. The thing that we chose, King Saul, was not who God wanted. And I'm going to tell you something. Some of us pray for things, and God gives it to us just to let us know and to demonstrate how dumb we really are and how little we know. Sometimes he will give you what you want just to demonstrate to you that what you want is really going to hurt you. Sometimes he'll give you what you want to, to, just to let you know, just to let you stop asking for things. You know, you know, one person told me once, well, God said I could have the desires of my heart, and what she wanted was someone else's husband. No, no, God's not going to give you the desires of your carnal heart. God's not even into pornography. No, no, no. God's not going to give you the desires of your carnal heart. God wants to give the desires of a heart that's chasing after him. Amen. Uh, Come on now, let's give him a good praise. You know I've rejected him. So quit moping around. Just move on. Punch your neighbor right now and say, move on. Don't shake their hand because they have germs. (laughs) You know I've rejected him as king over Israel. Fill your flask with anointing oil and get going. It's time to get anointed and get going. Praise God. 
You know, a few minutes ago, I didn't think I could preach. I, I, my boy, I think I'm doing okay. Someone's praying for me. And get going. Say, get going. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. Mm-hmm. I've spotted the very king I want among his sons. Notice he picked a, notice he picked a king among the sons. Don't act like God's going to put you somewhere great if you're not willing to be a son. Oh, now I can preach three hours there. Come on now, come on. Verse 6 says, so when they arrived, Samuel uh, took one look at Eliab, the firstborn, the guy that should have naturally been the one. In the Old Testament, it's always about the firstborn. So when they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, here he is, God's anointed. You know, all the time we're looking at things through the eyes of the flesh. It just makes sense that so-and-so should be the one. This makes sense. And God says, your sense isn't always my sense. Don't be impressed with his looks and stature. I've already eliminated him. I've already eliminated him. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. God judges persons differently than humans do. Men and women look at the face. God looks into the heart. Uh 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 Jesse then called Abinadab, the number two guy. Must be the number two. Presented him to Samuel. See, Jesse, Jesse was proud of his seven sons. He brings up the second one. Samuel said, this man isn't God's choice either. All right, well, I got five more. Next, Jesse presented Shammah. Samuel said, no, this man isn't it either. Jesse presented his seven sons. Surely it's got to be one of these seven because seven is God's perfect number. Samuel was blunt with Jesse. God hasn't chosen any of these. Wow. Boy, it stings sometimes when we find out what God doesn't want in our lives. Two more verses. Oh, uh, is this it? Are there no more sons? Well, yeah, there's the runt. Now, now don't raise your hand, but how many of you were like the last one chosen for the teams? You know, I I know you find it's hard to believe, but I wasn't the big athletic guy. So when we chose up teams, we get down to the end, and it was like, you know, I'm like like 13, 14 years old, and it was between me and three eight-year-old girls. It's like, which one? Which, which, <laughs> I'm exaggerating a little. Two eight-year-old girls. Uh, he said, well, there's the runt, but he's out tending the sheep. Samuel ordered Jesse, go get him. We're not moving from this spot. You know, some things are not getting done until you find your anointing. We're not going anywhere. I wonder how many times the Lord's holding us back to some degree because somebody's not in their place. Oh, that's tough. That's, that, you all can't handle that. <clears throat> Verse 12 says, Jesse sent for him. He was brought in, the very picture of health, bright-eyed, good-looking. God said, you know, sometimes God does choose good-looking people. <laughs> bright-eyed, bushy-tailed. Oh, that's not there. Good-looking. God said, up on your feet. Anoint him. This is the one. And everyone goes, what? Samuel took his flask of oil and anointed him. 
uh, really in, in the Hebrew, his horn of oil. It's interesting. Can I just throw this in? This is free. I won't call the ushers back. Listen to this. When, when Samuel anointed Paul, uh, Saul, he, he, used, he used a man-made container. When he anointed David, he used what came from a dead ram. Y'all aren't getting that. That's too deep for y'all. That's too deep. Saul took his flask off, anointed him with his brother standing around watching. Don't you know they were like, <laughs> This, You know, in the first place, whoever thought any of them would get anointed king? And all of a sudden, they're jealous, standing around watching. The Spirit of God entered David like a rush of wind. God, vitally, mm, my God empowering him for the rest of his life. Your calling is for life. Doesn't matter if you messed up. Your calling is for life. There may be setbacks. There may be things you have to do over, things you got to correct, work with, but your calling will never leave. Now, let me give you four points real quick. Here we go. Number one, you need to understand, David was a wounded worshiper. David is on the back 40. Now, listen, there's a reason why he's back there. Let me give you the back story according to to Hebrew tradition here. According to tradition, it's not in the Bible, it's according to Hebrew tradition, that Jesse, remember, remember that going back to Obed, remember? Remember Ruth? Obed married a Moabite, which there's argument in Jewish thought that whether that's even legal or not. So Jesse always had this thing in the back of his head. Am I legitimate? Because I got Moabite blood. Anybody got any Moabite blood? Oh, you won't admit it. How many of you got some things back there? And if it's not you, daddy or grandpa, you got some Moabite there. And he's wondering if he's illegitimate. And I, I don't know why it took him until he had seven kids. But he began to feel guilty about this, so <laughs> this is kind of complicated. So he, he tried to do a pull in Abraham here, and for some reason he thought, I, 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 need, I, I need to maybe marry someone else. And so he took his, he, he was going to take one of his servants and sleep with her and have a child by her, according to Jewish tradition. Well, when, <laughs> it's like a soap opera. So when... So when, when, when Jesse's wife heard about what she was going to do, she pulled uh, Jacob on him. She, hit, she put a veil, and she snuck into the bedroom. Remember? Remember Jacob and his Leah and Rachel? <laughs> Which I still don't get that. It must have been really dark. I, don't, I mean, they didn't exactly have light switches, so I'm assuming it was really dark. And she kept the veil on. Anyway, y'all imagine what you want. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, his wife gets pregnant, and they never did reveal to him what they did. So Jesse's thinking, my wife's been fooling around. Well, she was fooling around with him. (laughs) Seriously, aren't you glad you came to church today? You never would have known this. So listen to what I'm saying here. He's thinking, my eighth son is illegitimate, but he wasn't. The devil will tell you 
He will tell you, you don't matter. You're illegitimate. You can't be, you have no rights. You'll never amount to anything. You're not, you're not a son. You're not for real. You'll never make it. You're illegitimate. We need to stop believing the lie of the devil because what God did in you is legit. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, yeah. But Jesse kept thinking this whole time, my eighth son. Now, now listen, it's even deeper than that because the firstborn got a double portion. The rest got the scraps that's left. In all likelihood, David would spend the rest of his life in the out there. Taking, he'd be like 80 years old. I'm still at it. I want you to hear this. David was not in training according to Jesse. According to Jesse, he was thrown into the wilderness for life. He will be there forever. And that's not a good job, by the way. That's the job they gave to the servants. And now he's a, some of you really are sons just doing servant duty. On the back 40, no hope, no future, no prospects, never going to happen. He will spend the rest of his life. And he knew it, and yet look what he turned out to be. Oh, my God. Number seven is the number of completion, of perfection and wholeness. Sometimes what you think is complete is about to get reborn. When when you think you've got everything, God says, no, I'm not even anointing that. Any control freaks in the house? Control freaks, every once in a while you get to that place where ah, everything's under control. That's when number eight gets born. God loves to mess with control freaks. We need to pray for you. Say amen, control freaks. God's trying to tell you the flesh can do nothing. And and the bottom line is you control all you want, but God wants to be in control. You want him to be the co-pilot when he wants to be the pilot. Tear that bumper sticker off. God's my co-pilot. Oh, yeah, that means you just use him when you go down. I hope that's a good O. You just want him when you need to take a nap. Oh, my God, my God, my God, my God, my God, my God. They, they put point two up there like they want me to go on, but I'm not done with it yet. <laughs> I was afraid I didn't have enough to preach, but I got too much to preach. I got three more points. Listen, he was given the dump responsibility. He was given the lowest thing that people have. He's cut off from everybody. He's out there. I just can't, I just, I just got to believe this boy was wounded. I, I believe his mother confided in him and says, don't worry, David. Daddy thinks you're illegitimate, but you're mine. And he probably couldn't even tell dad. But he lived under this cloud of illegitimacy. He lived under the cloud of never, ever amounting to anything. He would not inherit anything from his father. Nothing. That's the wounded warrior. But I'm here to tell you, he didn't sit out there and sulk in the field. While he's out there, he's fighting lions. He's killing bears. My God, hallelujah. I'm telling you, we need to start learning. Listen, listen, some people train to fight so they can fight in front of crowds. Listen, some of you, the only time you summon up courage is because you're concerned about what everyone thinks about you. 
But David was out there all by himself. Nobody was going to see him kill the lion. Nobody would see him. Nobody was there to say, good job, David. There was nobody there to, oh, my God, I feel this deep in my heart today. Are you with me today? Nobody was going to say, boy." He's not going to get a plaque or a trophy. Nobody's even going to know it. (laughs) Nobody was clapping him on. He just said, I've got a duty to do, and I'm going to do it. I don't care who knows about it. I'm not here for the applause of men. I just got some sheep, and I need to take care of them. Come on and praise him. Come on, praise him like you mean it. David wasn't just a, oh, my God. Help me to get this out. He's not just a warrior. He's a worshiper. You know, it, it just it just amazes me when you watch The Voice and American Idol and they interview these people. They come and they interview them, right? What's, what's your dream? What do you want to be? What do they say? I've always had this dream of singing before thousands of people. Isn't that what they always say? And even if they admit they have a gift, here it goes like this. And God gave me this gift, and I know I'm supposed to share it with the world. David had no such dreams. I want you to hear what I'm saying. Nobody's, nobody ever heard him sing, but he developed his voice, and he began to write songs, and he didn't sing for the crowd. He didn't sing for anybody's applause. He didn't sing thinking it'll get him somewhere. He didn't sing hoping somebody would uh, would write him a check. He didn't sing so he could sign up with CCLI and get a license and get a dollar for every time somebody bought one of his albums. I'm not against all that, but I'm here to tell you, David sang unto the Lord. He was an audience of one, and he... I'm here to tell somebody, until you learn how to sing to the Lord, you don't belong on the platform. I'm not trying to call anyone out. I'm not talking about any platform anywhere. You hear what I'm saying today? Until you know how to sing to him, until you're willing to, well, well, you know, if I don't get a microphone, I just won't sing. Well, you know what? I don't want to hear you sing either. Then people say, man, I just don't like that song. Well, guess what? We're not singing to you. We're singing to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the audience we're singing to. It is an audience of Well, they were off key this morning. You think God cares if they're off key? Now, I care. I'm talking about God. You say, oh, I'm in this wilderness. Nobody knows I'm here. Just sing to the Lord. Get in your shower and sing. Sing when you get up in the morning. Sing. It doesn't matter if nobody hears you. It is an audience of one. Give him praise. Oh, my God. I don't think you're ready for the word I'm about to give you. Let me give you a question. If If you knew right now that things were never going to get better, would you still be thankful and would you still be singing? Some of us are just hanging on with the hope of something better. When the hope of something better isn't your hope, your hope is in him. I'm here to tell you, it pro- you know, God, God has, you know, he wants to, but listen, I don't get up happy in the morning because it's going to get better tomorrow. I get up happy in the morning because I am his and he is mine. Oh, y'all didn't even thinking about that. You don't want to think about that. If you never get that raise, if you never get healed, 
if things don't get better, if they're angry at you till the day you die, are you still okay? Can you still sing? It is well with my soul. Sing it. It is well. It is well with. You know who said that? The woman who just lost her son. David was a wounded warrior. Wow. I have three more points. How many believe I can do it in five minutes? There's a lack of faith in the room. Number two. Number two, David was assigned field duty. Say field duty. Sometimes God will assign us field duty. It's not pretty. It's not the best place. It's not where you want to be. It's just serving everyone else, shining everyone else's shoes, making everyone else look better. But there are times where God will put you in a field of duty. But my word to you right now today, if you're just in a field of duty, you are in a field of favor. Just thank God for your field duty. Thank God anyway. Say, God, I'm just thankful where I'm at because I know this is still a field of favor. No one else looks at it that way. People are laughing at me. People putting me down. But I'm here. I prophesy over you. It doesn't matter how low you think you are in the kingdom. You are a son of the most high God. And where you're at is a field of favor. While he's out there taking care of sheep, he didn't realize one day, you know, one day as king, one day as king, he's sitting in the palace, and the Spirit of the Lord came over him, and the Spirit of the Lord came and said, David, I have a song I want you to write. And it goes back to those days when you were out there in the field. It goes something like this. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want How could he write that? Because he was alone in the wilderness with God, and he knows how that works. Oh, my God. He's taking care of sheep, not knowing one day he would take care of all of Israel. He's in there fighting lions and tigers. Well, not tigers. Lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. He's, He's fighting off animals, not realizing one day he would take on Goliath. Field duty. Say field duty. Number three, I got a word for you. There's oil in them there fields. Come listen to a story about a man named Jed. Poor mountaineer couldn't keep his family fed. Then one day he was looking for some food or something. Anyway, he shot his gun. I lost my train there. Actually, I fell off the train. And up from the ground came a bubbling crude. Oil, that is. Texas tea. And he goes off to Hollywood, right? He's got this big bank account. He's living in a mansion. And he's still wearing those old clothes. Still driving that old truck. Every time I watch the Beverly Hillbillies, I want to smack that hat off Jed's head. Get that that ratty thing off. Get some decent clothes, Jed. You know why I'm so you know why that gets me? Because we also We're just out trying to survive, and we're hitting oil. We're hitting the anointing. We're hitting the power of God. You don't realize it, honey. You don't realize it, but you have a bank account in heaven. There's millions in the bank account, amen. You just don't know it. You need to start drawing on heaven's bank account. My God, hallelujah. Quit living like a poor hillbilly. I'm sorry. Quit living like a white, poor, oh, don't want to go there either. Quit. We got spiritual white trash. God said it. 
living in an old beat-up trailer when there's a mansion waiting for you. Amen. Ah, somebody hear the word I'm trying to preach this morning. Oh, it could have gotten worse. I said, didn't take you to the hood. All right, man. See, I went there anywhere. Living in the hood when you got a mansion on the, moving on up to the east side. Anyway, we preached that last week. There's oil in the fields. Every shepherd had oil because they would anoint the heads of the sheep to keep the uh, to keep the the gnats and the flies out of their nose and ear, which would literally drive them crazy sometimes. So they would pour oil. How little did he know that that same oil he used to anoint the sheep is now being used to anoint him. Listen, the very service you're giving to people is the very is the very service God's going to anoint you with to do something great for God. Oh, y'all aren't hearing me. Y'all aren't hearing me. I wish somebody would help me preach. Jesus. The very oil in his lamp would be the oil that will, that will anoint him. Number four, you are about to wake up to royalty. When, here's what God's trying to tell the church. We're like Rip Van Winkle, sleep point. We're like Gulliver. Remember Gulliver? He gets shipwrecked, he's sleeping on the beach, and while he's sleeping there, all these little six-inch people, remember that? And they tie him down, he wakes up. Who are these little people walking up? Hey! You know, it's the littlest things that get us tied up. Oh, y'all can't receive. Yeah, you're being tied down by little six-inch demons. Come on! And somehow their little ropes and strings kept him tied down. It's time to wake can you imagine the walk? I don't know how far away the field was. Could have been miles. The cheering. He hadn't seen anybody in months. <laughs> they send a messenger. Hey, the prophet's here, and your dad's calling you. They have a word for you. Something big is up. Instantly, his life just. Can you imagine that walk to the house? What's this about? What, what's going? What? What's going to happen? Why do they want me? Remember, he has no of ever getting out of that. And yet he's walking out of the field. And here's Samuel with a horn of oil. Come here, boy. You are now the king of Israel. Oh, it can happen suddenly. Got to preach on the suddenlies. You need to wake up to royalty. And I want you to get this. Because we're idolizing the wrong people in our society. Idolizing the sports heroes. I've got a, I've, I've got a son-in-law and a brother-in-law from New England. Right now, I am talking to them. Patriots, a bunch of cheaters. They're not cheaters. They're just good and you're jealous. Uh, shut up. Someone said, we don't want the Eagles to win because they'll tear up the whole city. They probably will. I don't, I'm not even going to watch the game. I can't, I can't handle it. <laughs> we idolize. We actually live through these people. Movie stars. They're people, they know every movie star and every movie they're in. I sit around and listen to them. Oh, yeah, they were in this movie uh, 23 years ago, and they were in this movie. And I'm like. Why? Why are you cluttering your brain with all this useless information? Does it? These are the people we idolize? How about this one? Who are the Kardashians? They can't sing. They can't dance. They can't act. They don't play sports. They're just nothing but famous. Why are the Kardashians famous? I'm going to tell you why. The Lord has established thrones in the earth for God's people to take authority. We have not taken those thorn, thorn, 
and the Kardashians got them. And sports heroes are sitting on thrones. They're influencing politics. They don't know anything about politics. Shut up. They're influencing our moral behavior. They're influencing how we think and how we act. Come on, somebody. They have invaded our culture. Don't tell me they're not sitting on thrones of authority that are supposed to be occupied by the church. Come on and praise Him and declare it in the heavens. We want our throne back.